You are listening to the 919 Podcast, the only podcast all about the over 1.5 million people living within and transforming the triangle. I'm your host, John Carter. So several of you, very concerned, have reached out wondering why wasn't there an episode last week or maybe why I've been a bit more quiet uh, on social media. Well, here's the reason. Uh, If you remember a couple weeks ago, I had Ashley Quinn on. We talked about real estate in the triangle, specifically residential real estate. So like people, um, you know, not businesses or anything. Um, in addition to that, um, and we moved in last weekend. In addition to that, I started a new job, which is incredibly exciting. Um, but it just all happened at the same time. So I started a new job on uh, Monday, uh, was in New York until Thursday. Don't worry, I'm not moving. We're staying in the triangle. Um, but they're just headquartered there. So I was out and there's just so much going on. Guys, I didn't have time to post an episode, but I uh, appreciate those of you who reached out. Awesome. Uh, glad to know that you were waiting, uh, refreshing you know, the feed on iTunes over and over again. Uh, but thank you. Yeah, we're back. There's going to be more uh, consistent episodes coming out, um, especially as uh, my wife and I you know, continue to get settled and everything. But this week, I sat down with Jed Byrne. Uh, he is, I would consider him a subject matter expert about real estate, uh, commercial real estate, um, you know, specifically about land use, city building uh, in the triangle. So you may be thinking, John, you already had a real estate-ish episode uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yes, you're right. But this is, they're two different subjects. That's all about, you know, the families moving in, where they're going to live. This is more concerned with you know, the company's, or not the company, the triangle is growing so fast, people have to work somewhere. And when companies move in or expanding, they need office space. And where are they going to go? And who do they talk to? Well, they talk to people like Jed Byrne. So he deals with uh, commercial real estate and how the city of Raleigh um, specifically uses land, uh, how they prioritize that for either, you know, public spaces or, um, office space or, I don't know, a, a sports venue. I mean, it, it could be anything. Uh, they, they end up talking, companies talk to people like Jed. Um, so specifically, we talk about Apple, Amazon, uh, what commercial real estate is like in Raleigh and how it's changed over the past uh, while. And um, actually, something fun this week, uh, Jed had, and I can't believe I haven't thought of it before, but Jed had people ask questions on Twitter, which was a first on the podcast. So that was very fun, uh, definitely crowdsource questions, uh, and I think we're going to do it here. So you should definitely follow uh, The 919 Podcast at The 919 Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and uh, I might do this in the future where I'll just say, hey, interviewing this person, uh, what kind of questions do you want me to ask? And we can go from there. So all that being said, on to my talk with Jed Byrne. OK, 
Okay, I'm here with Jed Byrne, VP of Development at Capital Associates and creator of Oak City CRE. Jed, thanks for being on the 919 Podcast. Happy to be here. So today we're talking about commercial real estate and how that affects and is affected uh, by the growth of Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill. Primarily Raleigh today, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, lots to discuss, but first, tell us about yourself, where you're from, how you got to be in the Triangle. Sure. Uh, well, like I said, my name is Jed Byrne, and I'm with Capital Associates. Uh, local real estate development management and leasing firm and I got to the triangle in 2012 when I went to grad school at UNC prior to that I lived all over the country um, but was born and raised in Maryland and so I've been here for about seven years now okay that's awesome and then and you always wanted to do real estate or commercial real not estate? not always I used to build storage tanks and sell water towers uh, and after a couple of years of doing that I realized that I would much rather build something that uh, I think has more direct impact on people's lives and it's I say water tower has pretty direct it, it is but it's very much underappreciated uh, <laughs> I think if, if the water went away people would realize uh-huh. but most people don't really think about where where their water comes from how do you get into that kind of business Selling water selling towers. water towers. So I went <laughs> I've to, never met anyone. Now <laughs> you have. Yeah. Um, I went to Clemson University and got a mechanical engineering degree, and then the company I worked for, Chicago Bridge and Iron, hires engineers, and they go through a training program. And so I, I did construction, marketing, uh, I did design for a little while, project management, and then ultimately went into sales. And so it was just kind of up through the ranks and covered the southeast. So, sorry, were you, you born in Maryland or were you born in uh, Born in Maryland, school in South Carolina, moved to Texas, California, Texas, Aruba, Atlanta, Chapel Hill. Chapel <laughs> Brief stint in Charlotte, Cary, Raleigh, and now I'm Wow. Now okay, I'm so you, you're jumping around all over the place. That's right. Uh, well, what do you do for Capital Associates, the VP of Development? So. Sure. So, my main job is to go out into the market and look for opportunities to build commercial real estate projects. Uh, So mainly that's office buildings, but it can also be um, basically any product type. We don't do much in the way of housing, but uh, at Capital Associates, we've done everything from traditional office, medical office, uh, lab, multifamily, storage. It just really kind of depends on the piece of land and the project opportunities. So my job is to go out and meet with landowners and, and see if I can figure out a way to build some buildings. Uh, also work on the brokerage side with leasing space and then buying and selling buildings and land for clients. Would you say Capital Associates is one of the bigger uh, commercial real estate firms in the area? I would say we're one of the mid-size. There, there are definitely firms that are larger than us and then there are definitely firms that have a wider footprint. So we're focused predominantly in the Triangle, Greensboro, and we've got a big project going on in DC. Um, but out of, I think, the, the triangle-focused firms, we're definitely one of the larger ones. That's cool. And then on the side, uh, as your side gig, you have Oak City CRE. So sure. what does that stand for? What do you do with it? Sure. It's a Twitter page, right? It's, it's, it's a, a newsletter. It's a, it's a weekly newsletter that I send out every Tuesday. Uh, it started about two and a half years ago. I just wanted to help people help keep people aware of what's going on in commercial real estate, something that I obviously think a lot about. And so I uh, started sending out a newsletter and that's grown over time. So yeah, Oak City CRE is Oak City for Raleigh, commercial real estate, CRE. And uh, it's just kind of a way for me to connect with people and share the things that I care about. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been a fun little side project. That's cool. And so what, what do you usually have in your newsletters? You just have... So every, oh every gosh, week it's... Inside it, information. It's, <laughs> not a ton of inside information. A lot of uh, news articles about new development, new projects, new companies moving to town. I try to keep it focused on the triangle. 
but also use it as an opportunity to bring in news and kind of trends from outside of the market that I think are either uh, directly applicable or may soon be applicable to what's going on in Raleigh because as a growing market I think we have a lot to learn from other cities who have done things well and who may be struggling with some of the same things that we're struggling with when it comes to growth and um, being a very popular market. Right. Do you So you collaborate a lot with, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some other like cities, maybe out west or even in, on the east coast. Do you so partner with those? So uh, kind of our, our peer markets I think of as Charlotte, Austin, um, where else? It really depends. I mean, in some ways, Richmond, in some ways, Atlanta, in some ways, D.C. I mean, I think the southeast has become a very popular region. I think there are markets, again, that, that some of them, some of the stories I share are from much larger markets, from New York, from Seattle, Vancouver, international stuff, because, again, they're dealing with growth and it may be on a different scale. But how does that impact the people in the market and, and what can we learn to do better? Uh, as we're facing some of the same opportunities and challenges. Yeah. So let's get right into it. Um, what makes the Triangle an attractive place for business? Sure. What would, what would be your elevator pitch? Elevator pitch on the Triangle, I think, first and foremost, it's talent. We've got three top-tier universities uh, in the Triangle. Obviously, UNC, uh, NC State, <laughs> and Duke. Um, as I, well I came in with my NC State right. uh, now. The red is very so. apparent. <laughs> Uh, which is which is great. If I if I had gone to school in Raleigh or North Carolina, I probably would have gone to NC State um, for undergrad. The uh, so so access to talent I think is huge. Cost of living is a major factor. So when you compare us to markets like New York, Boston, San Francisco, we've got a huge tech scene. So when you compare both cost of living, cost of of employees, you know, wages are are lower here. Can be lower because of the lower cost of living. Um, it's also just a, a pleasant place to live. The weather's great. We've got good access to infrastructure. We've got good access to uh, outdoor spaces and amenities. And we're also large enough that I think we attract a lot of the kind of arts and culture that some smaller markets can miss. And so, again, I've, I've lived in lots of bigger and smaller markets. And I think for me and my family, we've, it's got all the upside with a lot less of the downside which it makes it a very attractive place. Yeah, that's great. And so with this episode, we're doing something that I didn't even do this. You just, on, on your Oak CRE uh, page, you asked, hey, what do you want to talk about to your followers? Which is a great that's answer. Right. <laughs> uh, so we've done Facebook Live before, but we've never done something like this, which we will be doing in the future. But we got quite a few questions from Twitter. So we're going to ask, maybe not all of them, but a few. Um, Talk, the first one, talking about how attractive uh, the Triangle is, maybe compared to some other places. Uh, talk to me about the, you know, per square foot and yeah. maybe make sense of, of that to, you know, someone who isn't familiar with that. Sure. So I think a lot of times people will see, you know, maybe, maybe you've rented office space or you know just kind of what costs might be or you see, hey, we're about, you know, a new building in North Hills is asking $38.50 per square foot. Well, what that means is for every year, for every square foot you're renting the space, you're paying $38.50. And so for uh, downtown, the average is pushing close to $30 a square foot. And the way that kind of translates to people is if you have four employees per thousand square feet, which is fairly typical 
you would have $7,500 a year to pay in rent at $30 a square foot. And so why that matters is that's a cost of doing business and cost of overhead. So if you have four employees in your office, you know, that's your direct cost that you're going to pay for space. And so if you can figure out ways to increase utilization of that space, you get more for your dollar. Uh, but there are challenges with that. So it, it's always important to figure what it costs, but also you got to think about what you're getting for that space. So typically space with higher rent either has nicer finishes, better location, more amenities within the building, more amenities nearby. And so again, you're going to pay more in North Hills, in downtown than you are in say, you know, North Raleigh, because the product is different and the, the kind of value proposition is different. So if you just need a little <coughs> tiny office, not near anything, you know, you can get flex space for eight, $10 a square foot. Um, but obviously you're going to have a different environment experience. than you would, right? Experience than you would if you were downtown North Hills warehouse district. Actually. Sure. Uh, tell me a bit, uh, we were talking about this earlier, you know, San Francisco, you hear that it costs a lot more. Yep. What does that actually equate? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So we're, we're looking, uh, with some clients at space in the Bay area and that's pushing $70 a square foot. So again, your costs are more than double. For the exact same thing. I mean, for a place for someone to go to work, it's more than double. So if you're an employer, you know, a tech company and looking at, well, do we grow our office in San Francisco or do we move to Raleigh, get the same caliber or better talent? They don't have to move across the country. They can stay in Raleigh and we can open up an office that is brand new in a great environment for for 50 cents on the dollar. I think that's a very compelling um, argument that's being made with a lot of companies. Uh, not a bad one. Yeah. It's not. It's not bad at all. And 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 that's again. That's the that's the most expensive. That's the high end. And so I think you'll see costs continue to rise over years over the next coming years as as demand increases. But with that in development, again, you have the opportunity to add space so you can build more buildings to accommodate the growth and demand. Yeah. Well, what are these companies? Where are these companies really trying to get space? I mean, there's so much that the Triangle House offer. Yeah. Uh, Durham's popular. Yeah. Chapel Hill's getting more popular. Raleigh's uh, continuing to see mm -hmm. a lot of growth. So uh, where where are the hotspots right now for commercial real estate? Sure. I think on the office front, the, the interesting thing, uh, and it's one of the benefits and challenges with our areas, that we really are a region. And so in a lot of other markets, you have kind of the core downtown or the main um, node for development and the main node for demand. Well, here we've got downtown Raleigh is a big driver. You've got the warehouse district is growing. You've got North Hills. You've got the kind of I-40 RTP corridor, which for 60 years has been, has been a huge driver for growth. But then you've also got Durham and Chapel Hill and a lot of uh, what I've noticed, at least anecdotally, is a lot of families and, and if you've got two working adults, you know, very rarely are both people working in the exact same location. So one's in Durham, one's in Chapel Hill, one's in Raleigh, one's in RTP, you know, and, and so we, we are dealing with that as a region. And so I think that drives where people live. You know, if you're working, one person's working in Raleigh, one person's working in Durham, you're probably going to want to live in the middle, which we see a lot of. And so there's been a lot of growth, but it's, we, we've got, there's pluses and minuses because each of those areas have different characteristics that are good. Um, but again, it leads to a regional growth <coughs> paradigm rather than just kind of a central node, um, which, which can have challenges if you've ever driven on I-40. 
So, so right now, it's not necessarily the downtown areas that are the most popular. It's some of the areas beyond. Is that where you? It's, it's both. It's definitely yeah. both. I mean, downtown Raleigh has had a huge resurgence over the last ten years. Downtown Durham, I think, is on the map in a lot of ways, and you're seeing a bunch of development going up there, and um, <clears throat> a bunch of of growth both on the commercial front and residential. And so these these are markets that. Um, I've just experienced a lot of growth, and, and it's it's a multi, multi-faceted, I guess, growth yeah. environment that we're in right now. Well, what kind of office spaces are companies looking for? And that yeah. might be, you know, is it specific? The triangle they're looking for a specific type of office space, or I don't know, like is what's what's hot these days? Yeah, what's hot these days? I mean, I, th- I think it depends uh, on on how you operate as a company, but you're seeing a lot of. A lot of employers, especially ones that are new to the market, are competing on space and on amenities. And so if they're located downtown, and you know, we talked about this, the, the millennial word, the M word, you know, that's that's the kind of the generation that's that's coming up right now. And so employers are trying to attract these people. And how do you do that? Well, you you provide great location, you provide uh, great work environments and and that could be open office that could be closed office you there kind of has been over the last five six years a pretty heavy swing to open office and what we're seeing is while you you know one of the thoughts was that well we can save money because we can fit more people in a given amount of space but what we're really seeing i think the, the people who are doing open office well is yes you get a smaller desk you know i was in an office the other day where everybody got a seven by three foot desk, so that's 21 square feet, so call it 50 square feet of space for themselves, which is not that much, but in their total office floor plate, the the open office portion was probably less than a third. And so the rest of that space was conference rooms, was amenities, games, food, um, you know, multiple different areas. There were soundproof pods to go work in or take a phone call in. There are little breakout rooms. There are big conference rooms with smart TVs. And so instead of just having 50 square feet per employee, you've still got the 250 square feet. It's just in multiple different locations. So I think that's huge. I was also in an office downtown Raleigh earlier this week where they've spent a lot of money on building kind of collaborative communal spaces for their employees to gather because I think people are working longer hours employers are expecting more of their people and so I think the smart ones are finding ways to add value back to that employee so saying yeah you're staying here longer but hey you know here's a gym either in the building or nearby that you can go to here is facilities for bikes that you can ride into work that you can take a shower at work Uh, here's catered food you're seeing a lot of that you're seeing a lot of different options Um, I've seen some employers in the region have you know, multiple catered options every single day for their employees just as a benefit so you don't have to go out. Um, I've seen ones that are now providing take-home dinners, you know, subsidized, so you really just place your order, run in, pick up your rotisserie chicken, and then take and, uh, it home. what and, companies? <laughs> <laughs> shall, shall not be named, yeah. but you, you recognize them. And so, and so people have to compete. And, and space is important, but also programming, I think, is, is huge, is a huge part of that. And so from a from a real estate perspective, from a developer's perspective, we've got to figure out how do we stay on top of these amenities because buildings are not typically super adaptable, right? They're concrete and steel. And so how do you make sure that you can build a space, or how do we make sure that we can build a space that can accommodate all the trends and kind of 
amenities that, that our tenants and their employees ultimately demand. What do you think about co-working spaces? We were talking about this earlier. Um, we had HQ Raleigh on the pod. Friends of the pod uh, came on, and it's a really cool area. But there, there can be some negatives. But I mean, what's what's your opinion? We were talking about this. A little yeah. Early. So so the national firms, the WeWorks, uh, industrious spaces have have made a pretty huge impact. I think between WeWork and uh, spaces, they've leased over 300,000 feet in the triangle, uh, if you include. So we've got spaces at the Dillon, we've got WeWork coming to one Glenwood, we've got, I think, three Durham locations for WeWork. And so so they're, they're, they're anchoring these large buildings, and they're the kind of the, the anchor tenants for these big projects. And um, they're growing really fast, which I think concerns a lot of people. But I do think you're seeing a transition in kind of at the macro level for for end users demanding flexibility and so i think that's a lot of what that solves right you can you can put if you're if you're a, a homeowner you can turn your hotel or you can turn your house into a hotel for a single night right that gives you an extremely flexible option you don't have to rent out space all the time if you're um a traveler. You can rent a room for a night, you can rent a room for five nights. You get all this flexibility, you can do it all from your phone. I think the the kind of this generation is, I have this theory that we're being spoiled by flexibility, which is a good thing. So technology is, in, is enabling things that it didn't before. You can rent a car for an hour, you know, you can Uber and you can be a driver or a, a passenger. And so you have all this flexibility and I think that is being reflected in commercial real estate through um, the co-working spaces because you can, you can rent a conference room for an hour. You can rent an office or a desk or, or kind of hot desk at these locations all over the country. Um, for an individual, that's a huge benefit. For an employer, if you're saying, hey, I'd really love to dip my toe into the water in Raleigh and hire four or five people for my company and start a branch office, and maybe we grow to 50, maybe we go to 100, or maybe we decide, oh, Raleigh was the wrong choice, we really need to go in this other direction. So now you've only leased space for a month or two months or, or a year, and you didn't have to invest all that money to make it really cool, really great space that's competitive with, you know, if you're, if you're extending an offer to an employee and they're going out, you know, with big tech firms that have space, you know, Red Hat, how are you going to compete with Red Hat if you don't have space in the market where well, you can offer really great co-working space and then say, listen, if, if things go well, we'll build out the space. So it gives you that flexibility, which I think is huge. Uh, I'm kind of keeping my eye on too, the the national versus the local co-working because we also again you mentioned hq they're expanding they're in their newest i think expansions are in centennial campus with nc state and then they just announced that they're going to gateway village um and so they're growing and i think they've got a great brand locally and regionally um loading dock same thing they're opening up a second location american underground here in durham you know great brand great recognition mm -hmm. and so i'm I'm intrigued as to how, again, one of the things we talked about is, is they're in the business of basically reselling space. So they lease it from the landlord and then they lease it to their end customer. And so in order for that business model to work long term, they can't just repackage the same thing. They've got to offer some additional value add. And so whether that's programming, whether that's um, benefits, you know, you see that a lot with WeWork, you get all sorts of additional benefits that you can have and, and purchase 
um, whether that's a, a community and being around other um, startups or companies that are like you or that may work with you or may benefit you in some way. You know, there has to be some value add. And I think the firms that are able to do that, both the local and national players or international, the firms that can do that, I think will be successful because flexibility is huge. And if given the option to have flexibility, I think companies and individuals are going to take advantage of that. That being said, uh, we will see what happens during the recession when you are not tied to a long-term lease and you can end your contract at any moment. You know, do you go back to working at home? Do you go back to working at the Starbucks yeah. and and see how that goes? So it'll be fun to watch, but I do think the well, the not ones fun, who, but well, it'll be interesting to watch. <laughs> interesting to watch. It depends which side of it you're on. <laughs> sure, um, sure. But it will be interesting, and I, I think the ones who do it right will will stick around. So let's, you alluded to this earlier about you know some people uh, maybe the growth is too much or they think it represents a bad thing. So uh, what is that side saying? You know, there's obviously, I mean, one of the reasons there's this podcast is there's so much happening in the triangle. There's a lot of really great things happening, but with that, there can be some negative. So what is that side of the, you know, sure. The, the, the challenge I think with growth is change is scary. There are very few people I think thrive in a changing dynamic environment. So you just don't know. You know what it's like now. You don't know what it's going to be like in the future. Is that going to be better? Is it going to be worse? Um, I think there are concerns. Obviously, you know, traffic is an issue. Infra- that's kind of an infrastructure issue with net with all these new jobs and new people moving into town. Where they're going to live? What's that going to do to costs on the commercial space on the residential side? Uh, what's it going to do with traffic if everybody's driving everywhere? You know, how are we going to handle these issues? What's it going to do to our other infrastructure? Water, sewer. You know, parks, water towers. Like, water towers. It all comes even... back to water towers. Um, you know, there are any type of growth causes strain on an existing system, and I think that can be troublesome for people. And and you just don't know what could or might happen. The flip side to that. Oh, one more piece. I think that also is is this kind of idea of dilution of character. So I know why I moved to Raleigh because it's a great place. As more and more people move here, and as a population in the last, you know, 40, 50 years doubles to a point where most people didn't grow up here or haven't been here for more than one generation, you know, how does that change things? Do you lose the, the cool factor that you had? Um, and I think, again, that comes back to change. Change is scary for people. And so we can try to stop the growth, which I think most people who are worried about growth don't want um, because growth can be good. I mean, it brings a lot of, of upside, but we do have to be very much aware of how we are, are reacting and uh, facilitating that growth because there, are, there can be major growing pains and nobody wants to yeah. see that. Well, let's talk about some maybe major um, growth changes that were potential could still be um some hot topics recently were amazon apple uh, moving to the triangle so uh now we talked before you can't share everything you know but you you can share a little bit um so whatever you can share is great Uh, but with amazon you know there's so much being said by people who had no clue what they were talking about uh and the people who knew stuff such as maybe yourself uh were keeping quiet (laughs) So yeah, yeah, what can you tell us about that, how that went about in the proposal? And So again, I, I can't say much, and, and there are people who definitely know a lot more than I do, but right, to your point, anybody who knew information probably had to sign a non-disclosure agreement 
and so is legally bound to not say anything. And then there's plenty of conjecture running around. But one of the one of the things that you know would Amazon be good or bad for the triangle? Don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to predict the future. That's kind of the business of real estate in a lot of ways is trying to figure out what's going to happen next. But um, one of the things I always like to tell people is they were talking originally before they split it up into two headquarters and then they went to three and then they went back to two um, is that they were talking about bringing 50,000 employees, which is great. And then again, back to, you know, what is, what is per square foot matter? Well, what does 50,000 employees mean? Well, that's the entire research triangle park right now, including, you know, temps is, is around 50,000 employees. And so you're talking about taking one of our largest economic drivers and doubling it. The, the amount of square feet of real estate that they were talking about building was roughly 8 million square feet, which again, it's a big number. Right, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, downtown Raleigh, the office market is roughly 8 million square feet. So you're talking about building a whole new second downtown Raleigh office market, which again, isn't a bad thing. You know, we've, we've doubled our office market in the past. It's just a matter of how can you do that? And, and what, you know, kind of one of the things we talked about yesterday is adding 50,000 jobs isn't a problem. Adding 8 million square feet isn't a problem. It might be a problem if every single one of those employees has to drive from suburban Raleigh into downtown because now you're adding 50,000 cars mm -hmm. at roughly the same time. That can be a problem. But so if they can live nearby, that's less of a problem. But if they have to commute, that's a big problem. Where are you going to park 50,000 cars? You know, how, what, what impacts does it have and can you plan ahead? And I think the, the interesting thing in real estate oftentimes is very few communities, developers, um, employers, employees, any, anybody that's kind of involved in this, very few, very few times are we reinventing the wheel, right? So there are plenty of markets that are 8 million square feet larger than us, that are 50,000 employees larger than us. And so how did they do it? You kind of, kind of look to other people and say, okay, well, here's where they made the mistake or here's where we've made mistakes. How can we try to avoid those in the future. Mm. Um, but right, it's, it's, it's an ongoing uh, discussion, and I think one that um, will, will continue to have impact because as we you know, get all these accolades, we are, on, we are definitely on the radar. You know, we're not a primary market, we're not a gateway market, but we're on the radar and compete with a lot of these bigger markets, and if nothing else, that's what the whole HQ2 Apple relocation thing really kind of showed us. Let's talk about Apple for a second, because that, honestly, I don't have uh, my finger on the pulse as much as I should, but um, I've heard, yes, we're definitely going to have it. No, we're definitely not. Okay, actually, they're thinking about it, but they just need something to go through. And again, that, that comes from everyone saying uh, what, you know, something they don't Correct. Don't know. Don't right. know. I, have, I so. can assure you, I don't know the answer either. Uh, it was in the paper, I guess a week or two ago, that the lobbyists tied to Apple you know, now has control of the 208 or 281 acre site in RTP, you know, so, so there's potential. And again, if you're Apple, and I'm not saying one way or the other, but if you hire a certain type of employee, I think it only makes sense for you to go to where they are if you can accomplish your business objectives. And I think that's what they're looking into. And so maybe it's soon, maybe it's 20 years from now, but again, they're going to be around for a while, I think. And, and they, need options for growth if that's the path they're going to take. And again, uh, California is quite expensive. 
Yeah. We've got earthquakes and fires <laughs> and all sorts of mudslides. Or we have hurricanes. So, uh, That's right. Well, it is a little bit. Um, but yeah, no no earthquakes, which thank God. Um, something else that we had talked about before, uh, there could be another sports team coming to the area. Um, that would require a lot of space. Yeah. And you know where would they where would they get it? Um, so what can you tell us about that? So so I don't know much about sports. I don't know much about kind of how those. You just went to Clemson. That's UNC. right. Yeah, I've yeah, got good. Fine. I've got good teams. Um, you have no excuse. <laughs> but but you know one of the things that I think is is very recent is is talking about bringing Major League Baseball and this I think in a, in a different light of of the. Major League Soccer bid, you know, that had had a development and an ownership sponsor, which I think is a great model. I mean, having having a, a large arena or facility for sports is only good, only as good as the benefit that it brings. And so there's the direct benefit from the team and the revenue, but also you've got this you've got this asset in this stadium and this space. What what can you do outside of that? And so I think in the soccer front, having NCFC in town, you know, could you play the professional games there? Obviously. Could you activate that space in other times outside of the major league season? Could the kids play there? You know, I've got a three-year-old. You could fit a lot of three-year-old <laughs> soccer fields in one, you know, major right, league soccer right. stadium. You know, could you could you preemptively think about, yes, we're gonna build a stadium for the soccer team, but what else can we do to make sure that that space is as functional and as much of an asset to the city? as possible and i think that's where you get into back to this conversation of smart growth you know how do, how do you think ahead and again we may design a different sports stadium than any other market but they've been around for centuries and so there are plenty of lessons that have already been learned about how to do that best the this the baseball conversation i think is especially interesting because of the fact that you know if you go to the website that this group has put together, they've proposed locations, and and real estate development tends to be a fairly secretive business because until my plans are finalized and contracts are signed, there is a lot of a lot of downside to releasing information, and there's very little upside. And so, this group, kind of the grassroots effort, has flipped that on its head and said, "Hey, we as a community are coming together. Here are four different locations, and oh, by the way, we're thinking of other ones." that we don't control, that we don't own, that we have no kind of interest in other than we think they would be great places for the stadium. And I think figuring out a way, again, back to assets and liabilities, figuring out a way for the community, the development community and the the cities and towns to work together and the citizens to work together and build trust and go back and forth and be able to say, listen, here's what we think we should do. Okay, well, here's the impact that has on the development. Okay, understanding that, here's what, you know, and kind of this back and forth um, dialogue, I think could be extremely beneficial. And again, figuring out the best way to come up with the, the best solution to the challenge, which is where are we going to put a baseball stadium? Where are we going to put a soccer stadium? And, and we're going to spend a bunch of money on that. Where does that money come from? What other benefits could these things bring? You know, again, back to the 50,000 employees, if you've got a 50,000 seat ballpark, do you need 50,000 parking spaces for everybody to drive? 
or can you figure out some way to use some of the tens of thousands of parking spaces that we already have if the stadium goes downtown? Mm. You know, and, and again, being proactive and smart and working together often leads to much better results than everybody trying to do their own thing because you wind up with a lot of waste and that's not good for anybody. Yeah, good point. So wrapping up here, but it's an interesting question. How do you get companies to stay in the triangle? Is it difficult? You know, you have an employer like... I'm just going to use IBM because I'm familiar sure. with it. But, you know, big employer comes in decades ago. Is it, and maybe they're so ingrained that they, they're not going to leave, but maybe a smaller company. How do you get them, once they're here, to stay? Or do you have to really go about convincing them? Is it, is it difficult? I think, you know, to talk about another uh, local company, you know, Citrix is in the business of letting people work from anywhere. Right, so it used to be everybody had to be in the office. Everybody had to come into the exact same place and work together. Well, maybe that doesn't happen in the future. Maybe you can work from anywhere. Maybe you can have a completely distributed company and everybody's just working from home, all over the globe. So it's a real challenge. Luckily, everybody I think is going to grapple with that at, at the same time. And so we just have to be as competitive or more competitive than than the other markets that we're looking at. But it, it's a very real concern. I think. Um, you know, can can technology completely upend the real estate market? It's possible. You know, if, if you don't need to go to the store, what happens to shopping centers? I don't know. You know, what happens when you have all this extra space? Same thing with office. If, if you need less space per person or you only have 50% of your workforce in the office at any given time, that creates a lot of excess space. What happens to that space? Um, I think the things that we need to be doing are making sure, again, the triangle is a great place to live, that we don't um, hurt ourselves as we grow. Because again, I don't, I don't know that you can avoid growth, um, but you can definitely make that growth more painful. And you can lose, uh, you, can, you can lose. I mean, c- cities that are on top, and you've seen it, um, New York, Chicago, Detroit, you know, Detroit used to be the center of the world, and they lost it. And, and part of it was they're doing part of it was macroeconomic factors but you know I, I i don't think we can as a community sit here and and rest on our laurels and say yeah well, we've got rtp we've got the airport we've got dick's park we've got these great things going well things change and and we've just got to be proactive and again i think work together to make sure that we are are continually competitive and staying uh, at the forefront because you know, when you're up at the top of the list, you got a target on your back, and a lot of other people are saying, well, "We can do what Raleigh does, yeah. and and maybe they can do it better." I don't think so, but maybe. So we got to be proactive. Let's end with this question from Twitter, um, and I forget how it was phrased, but something about you know, let's think a hundred years into the future yeah. and what that would look like. What are, what are we? <laughs> what do we need to be thinking about Tell that us, we're Jim. not? So yeah, I'll put a, I'll put my crystal ball out there. Yeah. Um, two of the big things that I think a lot about. That, that I don't know that many people think uh, too much about is kind of right, this 100-year time frame, right? 100 years ago, the automobile was kind of a new thing, right? So in the last 100 years, we've had the automobile. It's had major impacts on our cities. 
in the last 100 years, the automobile has brought parking and highways and, again, massive changes to our cities. Same thing with just zoning in general. I mean, 120 years ago, there was no zoning. So, so a lot of these concepts are very new. So it's not crazy in my mind to think that in 100 years, and we're talking about autonomous vehicles and self-driving cars and you know drones and all this stuff. I don't know what happens with that. I don't know when it happens. But I'm, I'm willing to bet that in less than 100 years, the, the auto-centric kind of cities that we've built don't exist. And, and the things are just massively different. And again, 100 years is a long time. You and I will be dead, maybe. Wait. Maybe not. <laughs> but, but, but at the same time, it's also not that far. I mean, it's, it's our kids or our kids' kids are dealing with this. And again, so thinking long-term into the future... And, and I don't know what the answer is, but are we, are we at least trending towards the future that we want to see? You know, is it a future where everybody has a, a safe, healthy place to live and work and has a good job and has fresh, clean water to drink, back to water towers, and, you know, green space, you know? And so, again, I don't have the answers, but how do we think about our land use? Because that, that directly impacts all of those things. If we, if we spread everybody out, you know, we, I think that I saw in the news last year, we consumed 2,800 acres of land, which Where is, is that? Yeah. 640 acres per square mile. And so that's, you know, a block a mile wide and four miles long. That's a lot of land. Mm-hmm. And so are we, are we sitting down to think long term, do we, do we want everybody spreading out everywhere? Do we want people compact? Do we want to balance? Do we want to have compact zones and spread out zones? But, you know, we don't have to set an answer today, but I do think it's important to think about, are you trending towards what you want to see or are you trending away from it? And um, that's a very important thing to think because it, it, it doesn't matter <clears throat> this year so much, next year so much, but in the long term, little incremental bits add up to huge impacts. And so uh, we just, I think we need to be thinking with the, the long game in mind as well. Yeah, awesome. Any other thoughts before we close? That's it. I okay. Mean, this is I fun. think we covered it. Yeah. I think we covered it. Uh, happy to answer questions. If, if somebody wants to reach out to Twitter, it's at Oak City, C-R-E, O-A-K-C-I-T-Y-C-R-E. And uh, that's probably the easiest way to get me. Um, but yeah, happy to talk about real estate. Happy to talk about uh, city, anything. Water towers. Water towers, life. Um, yeah, just reach out with questions or comments and, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Awesome. Well, Jed, thanks for being on the 919 podcast. Absolutely. You just listened to Jed Byrne talk about commercial real estate, city building, and land use in Raleigh and the Triangle. Make sure to follow the 919 podcast on social media at the 919 podcast you can listen on itunes and spotify you've probably already discovered that for yourself Uh, make sure to share this podcast with at least one person this week and as always thanks for listening